This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is the Real Estate Hour on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here's your host, Bob Lane. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Real Estate Hour here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM Channel 111. As, you, as you've been warned, I'm your host, Bob Lane. I'm an adjunct professor teaching real estate law and transactions here at the Wharton School, the University of Pennsylvania, by night. And my day job is I'm a commercial pra- practicing commercial real estate lawyer as a partner at the law firm of Stevens & Lee, based here in Philadelphia. We're live at noon Eastern every Friday, followed by Behind the Markets at 1 p.m. Eastern. As always, you can access past shows via our on-demand feature. If you're listening between 12 noon and 1 p.m. Eastern time on Friday, November 17th, we're here live in the studio for your live questions. Please call us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And if you're listening at any other time or day, Please email your questions and comments to businessradio at SiriusXM.com. I'll be happy to address them on my next show. So again, if you have a question or you want to join our conversation today on Friday, November 17th, please call us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And the email businessradio at SiriusXM.com. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at BizRadio111. Well, listeners, as most of you know, I often host the Real Estate Hour with a guest with special expertise, or occasionally I do not invite a guest at all so that I can devote the entire show to your questions, which always seems to be a big hit with uh, nonstop calling. Today, though, in my ever-continuing effort to find new and interesting things for your listening and participating pleasure, I'm trying a new hybrid format. I have with me in the studio my off-times guest and good friend and fellow adjunct professor here at the Wharton School, Bill Martin. Bill's going to tell us a little bit something about uh, him in a, in a few minutes, but he's a commercial real estate guy who has done just about everything in real estate and is somebody that is my uh, my icon for uh, emulating in the real estate world. So I'm really glad, Bill, to have you here in the studio with me. Thanks, Bob. Um, and we're going to jointly discuss and maybe argue uh, over our thoughts and, and, and uh, about your calls. But also, we also have a call-in guest, uh, which is the other feature for today's show. We're delighted to have recruited Justin Whitener. Justin's the brains behind Ally Bank's highly regarded new book, The Mortgage Playbook. And we're going to hear a lot about that, which is just released, uh, I think, just about Halloween. Is that right, Justin? That's right. It's been about a week and a half so far. Yeah, so this is fresh, hot off the presses, off the, I guess, the uh, the virtual presses, since it's, uh, it's right. an internet publication. So Justin's going to be talking to us about the home buying process and mortgages and all the things and challenges that face millennials. And in fact, we're going to even talk about exennials, which I've learned about recently, the newly recognized micro-generation uh, classification for those born between 1977 and 83. So Justin, I don't know whether you focused on the exennials. I've just learned about them recently. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're focused really across the, the full spectrum yeah. of customers. We do have uh, a lot of millennial customers and, and, and a lot of in, in that area as well. Well, we're going to delve into all those kinds of things and just general real estate and callers. We certainly want to hear about your experiences and your questions, so feel free to call us again at one eight four four wharton that's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. One one little uh, disclaimer that we lawyers have to do, and I'm not going to say it so fast like they do on some radio shows where you can't even understand what I'm saying. But I just want to say that, as you know by now, those are my regular listeners and any new listeners that I cannot and do not provide personal legal advice over the radio. No lawyer should ever give legal advice upon which someone should rely without reviewing the prospective client's documents and situation personally and directly and making sure that he or she were fully aware, uh, not just what was being quickly relayed over a phone call on a radio show. So that being said, though, all of us, Justin and Bill and I, are very comfortable explaining some of the issues involved in your personal situation and in home buying and mortgage financing to the extent that we can, so don't hesitate to call. So let me just start off, uh, Bill, um, just to introduce you, uh, just give a quick re- reminder to our listeners, because uh, you're an occasional guest, but not regular, as to your, your amazing background. Well, thanks, Bob. My my background is basically, uh, or 
broadly real estate development, commercial investment, equity investment, and consulting for many years. I'm now teaching entrepreneurship here, real estate entrepreneurship at Wharton, and we're looking at individual entrepreneurs in real estate, and we're looking at entrepreneurs who have been able to grow very large businesses. Good. So I'm saying the crossover with that and the consumer finance that we're going to have, we should probably be able to talk to just about any listener today. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, Justin, I'm going to ask you to tell me something about your background and about Ally Bank, but but I understand that Ally Home, which is uh, is really this the uh, uh, subsidiary or the section of Ally Bank um, that deals with direct-to-consumer mortgage business, um, and Ally Bank is part of Ally Financial, which is one of the largest uh, Internet uh, lenders uh, in the country. Um, I think the bank was recently named the best Internet bank and best for millennials by Kiplinger's Personal Finance Magazine. Is that right? That's right. Very much proud of that. Yeah, yeah. That's very impressive. And the mortgage playbook that was developed, that you're one of the principal authors and brains behind, um, is something that I think is going to be very topical um, as we're moving into a whole new uh, world of home buying and mortgage finance. And I've got a lot of questions for you because my son is going through that process even as we speak. I think I warned you. I'm going to challenge you on a bunch of things that uh, we've been we've been wrestling with. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, about yourself, about Ally, and and about the playbook? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, I spent uh, ten plus years at a at a top four bank, doing everything from uh, finance to regulatory capital, uh, credit risk, and finished up in the mortgage pricing side there. And so uh, towards the end of last year, I moved over to Ally Bank uh, in the home loans area as the director of pricing, reporting, and analytics uh, to build out the full pricing capabilities here, uh, as well as our, our analytics and understanding how markets are moving and why they're moving. Uh, and with the idea of keeping that, that core value that we have here at Ally of doing things right for the customer. So uh, working to the best of our abilities to, to do things right for them. Uh, and I think the playbook has been a great addition that uh, as we're moving more and more into that purchase market uh, and we've got so many younger buyers coming in, uh, the home buying experience, can it can be scary. It can be nerve-wracking. Uh, and one way we wanted to really work for our customers is to ensure that they had as much information at hand as they could. Um, and so, so me with with uh, you know several members of this great team that we have here um, are, are have created this mortgage playbook um, that hopefully answers a lot of those tough questions that folks are going to have. Uh, but then also can spur other conversations that they may want to have with one of our home loan advisors. So um, I guess we're going to talk through it in, in, in our hour. So it's like maybe soup to nuts or cradle to grave. I hate to put it that way because then the result of buying a house is certainly not that. But uh, <laughs> taking people through some of the process. Um, and one of, one of the first things I, I know that, that young people want to know, and really everybody wants to know, but, but especially those first-time home buyers that are – you know, moving into the market that uh, the playbook is primarily uh, addressed to, how do they decide how much they can they can spend on a house? You know, what you know what 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 guidelines are there for both for their own personal financial, but uh, but also uh, planning, but for also what a lender is going to lend on. Absolutely, I, I think that's a great first question that any you know consumer would would need to ask themselves is, you know, I I want a house. Uh, but how much can I really afford? Uh, and looking at their month-to-month income and understanding what their expenses are. So uh, the, the big metric that we tend to look at is called DTI, or debt-to-income. Yeah. Uh, what you would do is say, okay, here's my monthly income. I get you know, X amount of money every month, but I have other debt obligations. I have credit card payments. I have an auto loan. How much does that impact my income? And the ratio we like to look at is 43%. Uh, it's fairly typical across most lenders. Uh, and if you look at the, the other side for like Fannie and Freddie, uh, 43% will be about that number where folks would, would need to look at. Now, that, uh, means, but, that means, though, that, that if, if you make, um, say, say uh, $100,000, gross in a year, which is a lot for, for many people, but just because it's easier for the math, that that means you could spend $43,000 a, a year, or is that after after taxes and the based on net? Yeah, I would base it on net. So uh, 
I, I would, uh, granted, and, and my my thoughts are to, to stay conservative. Um, you always like to understand exactly what your debt obligations are to your to your net income, but also you want to look at any kind of upcoming expenses that you might have. If you got other planning that you're preparing to do, so uh, wanting to have a child, you're wanting to, uh, you know, maybe any kind of other big obligation that would be coming up that could be uh, straining on your total income. Always factor that in. You don't want to just make it a, a clear just at this one exact point in time. Right. This is how I need to look at my financials. Uh, the understanding of where you are in, in your life, uh, anything that's big that may be coming up, and always plan for the unexpected. That's very, very good advice. And uh, because certainly people always assume, or used to always assume, and maybe that's not true so much of uh, of millennials. But uh, in, in my baby boom generation, we just assumed real estate was going to go up in value, and our incomes were going to keep going up, and so we could really stretch for. They used to advise you to stretch as far as you can for your first home purchase, uh, because uh, the value of the home will go up, your income will go up. Uh, you know, as you get older, and as inflation and everything else, that's not so true anymore, and things can happen. Right, and we've seen such a, a, a drastic shift in home values in the last, say, 12 years with what happened in 0708. Home values really dropped off, uh, but then they've come back very strong, which is great. But exactly to your point, you, you don't know what your income is going to look like in five years. Yeah. You can't really predict what your home value is going to look like in, two, in, in five years or where your life is going to be. Uh, so, so be conservative, be thoughtful, and, and really plan out exactly where your uh, financial uh, situation is going to be. Yeah. Now, now Bill, who's in the in the, the studio here with me, is you, you Bill, you've seen this in the in the commercial sector. Um, yes. Par- parallel issues. Well, we've been involved in residential development and a lot of multifamily development, and as you know, the millennials, and I guess now this ex millennials, uh, many of them plan on renting because they like to move around and don't want to commit to a single location for a long time. However, as they move along uh, with their plans, we're seeing more and more uh, looking to buy homes. The markets improve substantially, as you we all know, and it's difficult for them to find available houses at good prices. And I guess what you're saying, Justin, from a planning standpoint, if you're a home buyer or you're planning on buying a home, it's a good thing to maintain very good credit. I wouldn't buy a car and, and assume a lot of car payments or credit card payments if I was trying to get ready to get a mortgage. That's, oh, absolutely. I, I would totally agree with that. Your your credit is going to be um, a big driver in exactly what uh, your financial situation from, from a house payment perspective will look like. So uh, the better the, the credit, the less you borrow. Um, that'll all help with with ensuring that your your payments as low as possible. You know that's a, that's a good segue to taking our uh, first caller, who's been patiently waiting. But before we do, let me just welcome our new listeners. If you've joined us uh, since we started the hour, you're listening to the Real Estate Hour here on Sirius XM 111, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host Bob Lane, an adjunct professor teaching real estate law and transactions here at the Wharton School, and my day job is I'm a commercial practicing real estate lawyer. With me in the studio is Bill Martin, a commercial real estate expert and entrepreneur who's also an adjunct professor here at Penn teaching real estate entrepreneurship. And on the line with us is Justin Whitener, who's one of the brains behind Ally Home and Ally Mortgage's uh, lending system. He's in the head of, of analytics and one of the authors of their new book, the mortgage playbook, which we've been talking about. Um, but Edwin, um, from Ohio, I understand that you have multiple mortgages, which may be very relevant to our talking about just how much debt and how that affects credit. What's your situation? Welcome to the Real Estate Hour, and how can we help you? Greetings. Thank you. Um, situation is I have a small business based in Arizona. I have two residences uh, in Arizona, one in New York, one in Ohio. Three are in production for as rental properties. The sad news is the purchases were made during the crescendo of high prices. Um, so now the values that are left uh, as far as real estate values are very nil compared to what I owe on mortgages. The rentals have been always filled, have had no issues. I'm at a kind of a junction, and I'm looking for uh, two things, uh, advice and or uh, discernment on what the future holds with the new tax code adjustments. So as a small business, 
uh, as a pass-through kind of thing, there's advantages of having small uh, real estate um, rentals, residential rentals. So I'm at a juncture. Do I just try to sell and get out and just say, you know, lesson learned, don't buy at the peak, uh, and then try to make money? And Or do I hold on? Is there going to be adjustments in the taxes that is it advantageous coming down the line to where 10 years from now I would have wished I would have kept everything as it was. Well, let let me let me see if I if I understand I understand all your questions. Let me make sure I understand or we understand your your situation. It sounds like you have four properties that are all financed. Two are residences, uh, personal residences, and two are rental. No, actually, there's there's three that are in the rental. Three rental and one residence. Okay. One's a primary home. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, the first thing is um, my my crystal ball I left back in the office, so I can't really <laughs> tell you what's what's going to happen. Um, if you'd asked me uh, a, a year ago or two years ago, I would have said we'd be back in a recession by now, but we still we're we're not, and uh, everybody keeps thinking that this uh, upswing can't can't last for forever. Um, but it just keeps going on and on. But we've lived through enough cycles that we know it won't last last forever. Th- that that being said, and I think all three of us um, are going to have different perspectives on on your situation. Um, if you're, what I'm gathering is that, that some of these properties are that the market value is less than the debt. But still, if they're if you're carrying them and the and you're able to support the mortgage with the rentals. Uh, you know, one thing about real estate is it's highly likely to come back. Now, whether that's in a year or two, or that's five or six years, um, but uh, you have to look at the impact on your credit by by giving these properties back. You got to look at you know what your loss is. You know, clearly you don't want to buy high and sell low, but most of us can't control that. And if you were buying during the run up times, I guess you're talking about 2006, 2007, maybe. Um, yep. And every every marketplace is different, uh, and I don't know what you're, you're in Ohio. I don't know whether you're in one of the major cities there or, or or what, because it's it's very different. But Bill, you you have a sense in terms of what the uh, the commercial impact is on the on the rental. Well, we know we do a lot of multifamily across the country. Are, are your properties uh, in Arizona in the Phoenix market? No, they're down in the south of Tucson in a city mm-hmm. called Sierra Vista, which is a military town. That's also near the. Is that any? Where near the university? Uh, as far as in Sierra Vista, there's two university, three universities in Sierra Vista. So that's an hour south of Tucson. Yes. Okay. So you're pretty far south, but you at least have, a, in addition to the military, you have the student population as well. Yes. And if you're uh, if you're in those markets, I, I know that Phoenix is coming back. I don't know much about an hour south of Phoenix. There is the uh, a lot of uh, new construction going on around Phoenix, so that tends mm-hmm. to hold depreciation down a little bit. But they might that might be a market that you want to look at population and drop job growth. And if you see it projected to still be pretty strong, you might want to hold on a little bit. Okay. Uh, although, uh, you know, if you're going to start cutting losses, you probably want to pick as we all do your weakest property and maybe try getting right. out of that. Okay. I think you mentioned one was in New York. Correct. Is that the city or what, what part of the state? No, in the state, it's in western New York. Uh, the the, the uh, motto is uh, the weather's bad, but the taxes are high. <laughs> Which part? Is this in the Buffalo area or the, the, the... south? It is uh, in the southern tier. It is in a city called Olean. Yeah. Because I know New York has really been, uh, especially in upstate New York, has really had a, a, a major comeback, uh, you know, economic development. So I think Bill's point is that you've really got to look at the, the demographics and the, you know, the employment. Uh, if you're near a hospital or a university, you know, all those things as to whether that's uh, there's some stability or whether you can really get, you know, go from bad to worse or there's an mm-hmm. upswing. Um, it's very Actually, site there's, specific. there's also a, f- a fair amount of data available on the Internet now. Uh, you, you probably don't have the population growth in western New York that you see down in Arizona. And there's right. more of a movement of young people to Arizona. So. <laughs> Right. And you don't have to remove snow either in Arizona. Yeah. So. Well, be, be, before before we let you, let you go, I want to ask Justin though, because what's the impact, Justin, um, if Edwin, uh, you know, I, I think he's contemplating, does he give back some of the properties to his to his lender? Um, you can sell at a loss and pay off the you know pay off the mortgage. That's obviously very good from a you know credit standpoint. Uh, but what what would be the impact if uh, some of these go under and 
he waits out for the next cycle and wants to buy and finance again. Right. Yeah, I would say, you know, granted, uh, as uh, as was kind of mentioned earlier, like there's every situation is going to be unique to itself. Um, and I wouldn't want to tell you exactly what you should be doing. Uh, but the just looking at your overall financial picture and what these this income is bringing in, um, I, I think I'm in alignment with with Bill that if you've got um, you've got rental income coming in and if it's stable, um, the the values of properties are going to vary to pay, based off of the, the local economies and exactly what kind of industries are coming in and out and uh, how homes are selling there. Um, what you may find is that you know home values may trickle up if, uh, say, millennials who may not be able to afford as much house come into an area. You may see home mm-hmm. values start to trickle up because you'll have lower inventory. So inventory is dropping, prices may go up, which will be, in a way, kind of an artificial benefit to, to your situation. Um, if you're looking at selling all of them off and then potentially uh, uh, you know, buying something else later on for the same purpose, uh, the things that would it could come back to you that you would want to look at are, would any of those things directly impact my FICO or if I'm looking at my total income? Uh, how would that impact? And then just having an understanding that, you know, whatever you're going to be uh, saying pricing-wise uh, or rate-wise, I should say, uh, you'll probably tend to have a little bit of higher rate for the next investment property. And if rates are going up, uh, you, you may be in a situation where you're paying more later on for about the same type of property. Yeah. And in fact, there could even be a 1031 exchange possibility for some of the uh, investment properties, uh, depending on whether it's worth it with your basis. Maybe your basis is higher than the value. Bill, you want to add something? And then I think. Well, yeah, I think if if you're going to pick one to liquidate, these small residential loans, as you know, are personally guaranteed. So it would probably be best for you to take control of a sale rather than have the lender force you to sell, which always reduces value. And, uh, you know, take a hit, pay the loan off if you uh, have a shortfall and maintain your good credit. Yeah. And there could be a deficiency uh, judgment or exposure. It's usually you just write a check and pay it off if that, that's the cleanest, unless you're really stressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Edwin, thank well, you. Any, is, 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 just one question. Is there any options to refinancing for uh, kind of a group approach to multiple mortgages instead of trying to go through individually like their individual residences is there any kind of marketing or uh, applicability towards uh, refi if because the the refinance um, could help if yeah. I could, well, the, the yeah. highest rate right now is at six and a quarter so if I could look at uh, looking at the properties as the business to say look I could refinance the whole nut roll and get that mortgage rate down is that a feasibility? Well, you know, I'm going to ask Justin to comment on that, but we're going to let you go, uh, Edwin. Thank you so much for the call. These were great questions and stimulated a lot of thoughts. And uh, Justin, I'll ask Justin if you could give Edwin a little advice on that um, as we we let him go, and then we'll uh, take our next caller. Go ahead. Yep, sure, absolutely. So uh, I I would say one big question would be, are, are you sure about the value of your house? So if you check the, you know, if you have the the funds to get an appraisal get an appraisal done see see exactly what you're working with um i would say if you're going to refinance uh, now is going to be the best time you could probably do that uh with the feds set to meet here in another month or you know just three weeks or or so um we, we know how the market tends to to move around those decisions so uh refinancing maybe the it may be the best time to do that uh, but I would look at the value of each house. Um, I think Bill's recommendation of looking at each house on its own and the value it has to you individually is great. Um, but I, I, I would say you would end up needing to refinance, refinance each one on its own uh, as the loan would be for each loan, each uh, piece of property. Yeah, I would actually add to that. If, if you were a large enough um, investor owner where you could uh, and, and had the credit and the assets, and maybe you do, uh, to have a commercial line of credit from a lender that was lending to you in a different way, 
um, you know, that might be a helpful vehicle, but it doesn't sound like that would be a, be applicable here. But Edwin, thanks again for, for your call. Uh, actually, our next caller has questions about refinancing his mortgage. But before we go to uh, Lance in Brooklyn, let me just welcome any new listeners. You're listening to the Real Estate Hour on Sirius XM Channel 111, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Bob Lane. My, my co-host and guest today is Bill Martin, a real estate entrepreneur uh, who's joining us and also an adjunct professor here at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. And on the line is our guest, Justin Whitener with Ally Bank, uh, one of the authors of the Mortgage Playbook. Uh, Lance, you're in Brooklyn, and you have a question about refinancing, which will be a good uh, follow-up from uh, uh, what we were just talking about. Welcome to the Real Estate Hour. How can we help you? Hi. Thanks, guys. Uh, I've got a situation. I've got two buildings in Brooklyn. My primary has a rental unit, and I have a four-unit building, both in downtown Brooklyn. Uh, the rental building, rental building, does about ten, about twelve, eleven and a half thousand dollars a month in in uh, gross rents. Uh, my mortgage is about thirty-three, thirty-four hundred each month. Uh, the building has about a $350,000 mortgage left on it, but it's been appraised, appraised fourth quarter last year at about $3 million. My primary has a, I, I pay about the same, about $3,200 to $3,300 for my mortgage. Uh, I get a $6,200 rent on my rental unit. And... But both mortgages are at five and seven eighths. I was looking at refinancing, uh, but I have a couple of options. The, my my primary also appraised at three million dollars. That building has about a three hundred eighty, maybe not quite four hundred thousand dollar mortgage left on it. So, should I go for a commercial mortgage on my four family? And a residential, can I keep them both residential? They both currently have residential mortgages on them. Should I combine them, pay one building off, and hold all the mortgage on on another building? Because I also want a little bit of cash to to kind of flesh out the buildings, do some repairs, some upgrades, make them make them a bit more efficient. So, um, well, thanks so much, uh, Lance. Let me make sure that uh, we need to repeat a couple of details. So, you have two properties. One one is yeah. a four family, and you live in one of the units and rent out the other three, or that's just pure rental. That one's pure rental. Okay, and then the other unit and the other uh, building is what? Two family. Two family. two family. You live in one and rent out the other. Correct. Okay. Um, well, it seems to me, and we're going to Justin is going to really have a lot of uh, good input on this, um, uh, much more so. Uh, but it sounds like these are both um, going to be classified not as owner occupant um, loans, which gets you the best. I don't know what clearly the the four unit that you rent out is going to be an investor mortgage. That's a different kind of rate structure. Uh, but we're going to find out whether uh, how you know, what how the the duplex that you you live in half of is how that's going to be treated. Um, but it sounds like you have a lot of equity. So the question is, you're in, in Brooklyn, New York, whether the lender's there, whether the market is such that you can do some cash-out refinancing. And I know you couldn't for a while. The marketplace has gotten a lot better. Justin, what, what's your what's your advice on this? What's your take? Sure. Uh, so so I think you're exactly right. The, the pricing structure typically is, is going to be uh, higher for – uh, the investment properties than it would be for um, an owner occupied. Um, the appraisal that will will be used by uh, the lender would be based off of the one they do. Uh, and depending on the the type of loan you get, you would usually get if it's above, you know, say for for Ally, if it's within our jumbo guidelines, then then you would be looking at a couple of appraisals just to make sure we're you know spot on accurate with exactly what we're doing. Um, I think you know for for your situation, if you're if you're wanting to look at a cash out option, um, cash outs are they're out there. Our, our HLAs, um, our home loan advisors, as we call them, uh, are talking to folks all the time about cash out refis, and I think they're becoming very popular. Uh, you're seeing that mix shift away from you know kind of the typical rate term refi. Uh, as rates go up, home values are going up. People are moving into cash outs to take advantage of. That, that equity, whether it's you know using it to pay off other debt, uh, making improvements on the property, but 
cash out refis are absolutely out there. They're they're very popular and they're growing in popularity, um, kind of along with the the home equity market. Uh, but yeah, my my biggest point of advice would be to to call you know one of our HLAs, work with them on your exact situation, uh, and see what the financial benefit for you could be. I think that's really excellent advice, uh, especially from the commercial perspective. Bill, you've had this kind of uh, experience. Yeah, we're actually working on a couple of them right now. But uh, I think if it's a four-unit, Justin, correct me, but four-unit still is a, could be a, a more favorable rate than more than four units, isn't it? Yeah. It's a more yeah, marketable market. Yeah, two to, once you're two to four, you're, you're still within that kind of consumer uh, area, but once you move above four, you typically move out of. Okay. Now, from the standpoint of just pure uh, balance sheet management, you'd probably go for the best rate on your primary. Just view it as part of your business, and don't over leverage it. But maybe look at a sixty percent loan, or that would get you some equity out at a very favorable rate. Uh, would you pay down the second one, or I probably wouldn't at the rate you at the amount that you have. But rates are. Probably a lot better than five and seven eighths percent now, are they, Justin? Uh, yeah, it, it depends on the situation. It depends on the area. Um, it, it depends on how much you would be borrowing. So, if you say you did do a straight rate term refi, uh, it would be based off of just the amount that you owe. But if you wanted to do a cash out refi, uh, the more you take out, it would change your loan, the loan to value of, of that property. Yeah. Now, now, I would I would think if if he had a very good um, if Lance had a really good interest rate, then you wouldn't want to refinance it. You would maybe look to get a home equity a second a second mortgage on there. But since his rates are high, the refi looks attractive. The, the fact that there's a uh, an owner unit and a rental unit, Justin, does that um, make the rate higher in your from for, for Ally Bank? Um, I, I'm not 100% sure on that that side of our, our guidelines, but um, but I, I'm sure one of our home loan advisors yeah. can so that might determine and, and, that difference. And, yeah. and you guys are online. What What is your website? How would he... Uh, uh, go to ally.com. Ally is A-L-L-Y. Yes. Dot com. Dot com. And then... Uh, there is a tab right at the top that says home loans. Um, it's got all of our information, ways to, if you don't want to, you know, say you're super busy, can't call in, uh, feel free to, to fill out our, our lead form. One of our folks will give you a call back ASAP. Uh, but we also have, uh, you know, the, the phone number listed out there. We'd love to, to talk to you. Um, and our, our home loan advisors are great, great with advice, and they, they love talking to customers. And there are plenty of other uh, uh, resources out there, Lance, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, Ally is, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what they do. Um, we're going to have to uh, take a break. Um, in fact, we're a little over for it, so we're going to have to let you go, Lance. I hope this was, was helpful. Uh, but listeners, stay with us. We just have a three-minute break. You've been listening to the Real Estate Hour on Sirius XM. I'm your host, Bob Lane. In the studio with me is Bill Martin, and on the line is Justin Whitener from Ally Bank. Uh, please, if you want to join our conversation or ask a question uh, and you're listening on Friday, November 17th, we're live in the studio. Call us at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or email your questions at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. Please stay with us. We'll be back shortly. You're listening to The Real Estate Hour on Business Radio. Powered by the Wharton School. Sirius XM 111. Here again is Bob Lane. Welcome back, listeners, and welcome to any new listeners who've joined us during our break. You're listening to The Real Estate Hour here on Business Radio. Powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Bob Lane. I'm an adjunct professor teaching real estate law and transactions here at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania by night. And by day, I'm a practicing commercial real estate lawyer for almost 40 years. With me in the studio today is my friend and fellow uh, uh, adjunct professor here at the Wharton School, Bill Martin, teaches real estate entrepreneurship. He's been in commercial real estate just about all aspects for many years, and we're going to get his wisdom. And on the line with us is Justin Whitener, one of the principals at uh, Ally Bank, one of the authors of their new book that just came out this Halloween about uh, not even two weeks ago, uh, The Mortgage Playbook. And that's going to be very helpful for uh, some of the callers who have been uh, holding for us. 
uh, on starting to buy homes with with with, with questions. So, uh, with no uh, further ado, actually, Yvonne, you are in New Jersey. You've been waiting uh, patiently. You and your husband, I understand, are looking for uh, a property for a new home. Uh, how can we help you? Welcome to the Real Estate Hour. Yes, thank you so much, Bob. Thanks, Bill and Justin. Um, we're actually looking for a home right now, our forever home, and. Uh, I had some goals in mind for the near future. I thought it would be nice to have a studio space in the home. I'm a singer and an artist. So I was thinking that um, as we were looking for properties, it hadn't really dawned on me, but I noticed that some properties are in areas that are zoned for business, whereas others are not. So this is a goal that I would say maybe down the road a bit, though this home we're thinking would be our forever home, should I be concentrating on looking for properties that are zoned for business right now? Or is that something that maybe I can worry about in the future? Maybe it wouldn't be so hard to obtain um, that type of situation later down the road? Well, Yvonne, that's a great question. I know you're in New Jersey, um, and uh, some of these issues are going to depend on um, you know, local zoning and other kinds of codes. But let me let me set the stage, and I think we're going to have, uh, this is going to fall within different expertises from our guests, uh, Justin and Bill, that I think will have some, some good advice for you. But but the, the question is, you're, you're first looking for a home, and you're going to want to finance it with a, with a home mortgage, which will have the best rates. Then if you're going to have, um, when you say a studio, um, I'm going to first, talk a little bit about it before I ask you, you, you some questions. Um, there, there are zoning issues that um, whether this is actually a business you're operating in the home. There are some things I know in some zoning codes that are, allow home occupations. So if you're uh, used to come about from seamstresses like uh, Betsy Ross, who would be in their home and and, and do uh, you know knitting and sewing for, for people. And then it became for doctors and professionals who would have an office in their home and there could be restrictions that you can only have one assistant and it can only be a certain amount of the floor area and things like that. So you said you're a singer and uh, a studio, so I don't know whether you're going to be giving out lessons, whether you're going to have any any staff, uh, all those kinds of questions. But there'll be two aspects at least. One is, a, as I said, the local zoning, and then whether you're going to be moving your your, your property into a commercial uh, context for, for mortgage financing. So let's let's uh, so I, I guess if you're taking out a mortgage right at the outset and it's just a home, and Justin's going to weigh in on this, I'm sure. Um, you know, then you don't have a problem if it's down the line later on once you have the mortgage, uh, and then maybe the zoning will come up. So, Justin, what what would you advise Yvonne and her husband? You know, at the outset in terms of uh, financing this to the most favorable way. Sure. Uh, well, first off, I would say. Um, that it's it's very exciting to to be looking for for that forever home. Um, it's a great process. We know uh, we've had t- tons of people to to call into our folks uh, that have said just how excited they are about the process. Uh, and I think our our mortgage playbook was written for for lots of folks that are that are in your situation. Um, from a just a general home stance, the the things to make sure, uh, and I'll talk about this kind of in high level for for general financing purposes. Uh, make make sure that uh, at, there's some of this advice is in the playbook is make sure you've got all the documents you need to you know as far as proving income and understanding exactly what you can afford. Um, ensure that you know your your debt to income is you know 43 percent or better. Um, understand, really understand what you can afford and what uh, will meet the, your needs now and, and into the future. Um, and one kind of way that you, you can get towards that is, is, you know, getting pre-qualified for a mortgage. Um, I, I know we offer that through, through our Ally Home Loans uh, section of our website. Is uh, You can go in there, click on the get pre-qualified, and that can help you get that kind of starting number so you can better understand exactly where uh, you can afford the, the most home in the areas that you're looking at. Um, but I, I would say be, be as prepared as you can possibly be from and understanding your finances, um, what you can afford, and, and also understanding that the, the, typically the more you borrow um, against the value of the home, the more you're going to pay. So understanding what your income structure later on will look like versus how much you want to borrow. 
I think that's very good advice. Um, Yvonne, tell me something, tell us something about your your the studio and your being a singer. You know, I raised some questions before about the zoning aspect. Uh, is this something where you're going to be bringing in people to give lessons? Are you going to be recording uh, to make to make records? You know, what kind of people are going to be with you? Tell us something about yeah, it. So, so I would um, ideally like to bring folks in, um, like through a music and movement program. So I would have some students and families come in to the studio. And then as far as my art is concerned, I would have it on display on the walls. And um, the intention would be that customers could purchase original paintings um, right from that studio space. So ideally just, you know, a large room as part of the house where I could um, entertain my art and music. Well, um, I think Bill and I can talk a good bit about some of the zoning aspects. Bill, do you want to start off? Because you're you're raising a number of issues. It sounds like you're going to have an educational use. You're going to have a retail use. You're going to have for sale of your paintings. You're going to have a personal service uh, for lessons um, uh, use. Um, And we can talk a little bit about the, the, the strategy and the zoning aspects. Bill, what's your what's your well, you know, it's it's interesting over the last many years or a few years. More and more people are working from home, but the zoning issue would occur if you're bringing people in from outside, and your neighbors are not going to like traffic and parking coming in. The town may require additional parking spaces on the property. So as you start looking for property, you might be able to find properties that are in residential areas that are nice homes that perhaps a doctor or chiropractor or some doctor without a lot of equipment uses as an office with a variance from the local town. But one thing to be very careful of, if you are going to have commercial with a fair amount of traffic coming in and out, you should talk to a local lawyer that's familiar with the town uh, that can advise you because many people have purchased properties. There was actually a a case that's interesting for students uh, where uh, someone bought a house uh, so his wife could have a beauty parlor in there and it was not zoned. He put the mortgage on that property secured by their personal home, and the whole thing became a mess. Yeah, the, the uh, Bill, Bill's advice is, is, is very strong, and what I was going to emphasize is that you really do need a local lawyer because your local zoning code will talk about whether home occupations, how broad that definition is, whether you could use it in your specific zoning district once you're looking at, at properties. Um, a lot of people go into their home, they start up a business, they may have planned it or they may not have planned it. You could have just been living there and the kids grow up and you want to start a business in your home. Uh, and then the neighbors come in and they see this traffic and they say, what's going on? And they complain. And the first thing you know, or the next thing you know, you're getting a violation and uh, stop, you know, stop order from uh, the municipality. Um, so that you don't want to be going in for permission when you're in uh, in that violation and with hostile neighbors. You'd, you'd want to head that off. On the other hand, if you've been in there for a while and you've made friends with your neighbors and you're a good neighbor and you, then you go to them and say, you know, I really want to give some singing lessons. Uh, would you mind? And I won't do it late at night and I, you know, whatever the interference will be. And I only have a couple of students in blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, would you, would you mind, would you support it? So then, uh, you might build the case where you can go in to get that zoning variance or that zoning approval, uh, if you need it in that district. Um, and, uh, you'll be in a stronger position than if when you have a purchase agreement for the home and then nobody knows you when you're going in there wanting to sell your art and have lessons and do all that and then people are sort of intimidated by that prospect and typically you know it's the NIMBY not in my backyard uh, that neighbors feel they don't want something different. Uh, is that is that helpful uh, Yvonne? Is there anything else? Very helpful yes you've answered all my questions and I feel like as a result of talking to you gentlemen I feel definitely more confident going into this process. So now I have a lot of good points to consider and think about. Thank you so great. much. Thank you so much for calling. Those were great, great questions. Um, you know, we're, we're going to go, go back to talking a little bit more about the mortgage playbook and uh, a little bit. I've got a couple of questions for, for you, Justin, but let, we have sure. a time for just a couple of more callers. If, if they do call in, you're listening on Friday, November 17th. We're live in the studio and on the phone. Uh, call us at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You're listening to the Real Estate Hour on Business Radio, 
with Bob Lane, your host. That's me, Bill Martin, a real estate entrepreneur and developer, and Justin Whitener, uh, who's uh, one of the authors of the Mortgage Playbook. Uh, Justin, I, I am right in the middle of a situation now where my son is buying a condominium in, in Center City, Philadelphia, and has learned that the the building is on the Fannie Mae do not lend list. Now, for our listeners who don't know what that means, almost all home mortgages are are given with the idea that the lender has the opportunity to sell that mortgage to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. These are government-insured, government-chartered entities that uh, are what we call the secondary mortgage market. And when a lender knows that they can, uh, in effect, sell the mortgage and get the money back so that they can make more mortgages uh, to Fannie Mae or some other secondary mortgage uh, holder, uh, it means they can lend uh, more uh, favorably. So if uh, Fannie Mae is not approving a condominium, um, it's something that makes it harder to get a loan sometimes, but it may also give the buyer some concern. Um, in this case, we believe that the reasons are, number one, that the amount of commercial space in the building is too high percentage-wise. And that's not a concern for us buying because we know the development and it's it's a mixed use and that's fine. It's in the middle of the city. Uh, but there's also some questions they have about budget and reserves. But I think, it, you know, what, what's, Justin, what, what do you do in that situation? What does one do? Sure. Uh, I, I think the... Uh the one of the first things is you, you want to know what all of your options are. Um, so as you mentioned, Fannie Mae is one of the folks that will will buy mortgages from mortgage originators. Uh, but you also have Freddie Mac, who's on the other side, and, and they and in, there are certain circumstances where their um, their rationale will differ, and so one may accept certain loans that the other one won't. Uh, so they'll have slightly different programs. So I would say the the first piece of advice would be: Is this a Fannie Mae only situation, uh, or is this literally a Fannie Freddie? Nobody would would buy this mortgage. In that situation, it then then it's more calling up uh, the right edge LA or like homeowner advisors we call them here at Ally. Um, calling them up and seeing exactly what all of the other potential options are. Um, I, I am. I would say, you know, admittedly, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert in the uh, full details of the Fannie and Freddie guidelines. Um, so, so my my go-to advice is uh, call one of our HLAs. They're they're very much versed in, in exactly how those loan programs will work. But uh, typically, it, it, there there are other options, um, uh, and especially if there's you know some lenders that are are putting some of this stuff on their own balance sheet instead of selling them off. Um, so there, there are usually options outside of just Fannie to, to look at. Yeah, that, and that's the kind of advice, actually, I, I think that I was, I was looking for, which is, uh, you know, that there are other options and really where, where to go. Uh, and w- while we're getting close to the end of the hour, we have time for, we have another caller that we'll, we'll take in a moment. Uh, but I want to make sure that we give uh, so that we don't come down to to the wire, uh, Justin. I want to. How, how does one find the the mortgage uh, playbook? You know what what's 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 the what's your uh, your link or your 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 website or is it something that they can go to a bookstore? I believe it's just online. What's the story? Yep. yep. Right. It's online. Uh, if you go to ally.com, uh, we have a resources section that will allow you to download it. It's free. Uh, so no charge for anybody. We just want to make uh, make this advice available to our customers and potential customers. Uh, our big thing here at Ally is to, to do it right. Uh, and whether that's just a customer service standpoint, having the right products for folks, uh, mortgages are going to you know probably be the largest payment you make every month. Um, it's a big decision, as you heard Yvonne earlier. Like this is a big deal. She's she's really looking into all of the details, wanting to understand what's happening so she can make the right decision. Uh, and we wanted to write the playbook to to provide some answers to some of these basic questions. Whether it's should I look at a fixed versus an arm? Uh, how does my FICO score impact what I'll be paying every month? We wanted to answer some of the basic questions, but also just provide that immediate connection point. For consumers who are in the market, whether it's purchase, refi, cash out refi, uh, we want to provide those answers and help folks feel comfortable with the decisions that they're going to make uh, and make that whole process a little bit easier on them from from a stress side and their nerves and an understanding, 
hey, our, our loan advisor is going to ask you this type of question. Well, you already know the answer. You've gone through the playbook. You've, you've highlighted that section of the playbook, and you've got your documents ready. Uh, it helps us. Yeah, well, the I can, and, and, and the customer. Well, I can I can certainly attest. I've looked at it. It's very user friendly, and it really we we have about fifty questions we're going to hope to get to in this hour, and we haven't gotten to uh, to the many of them. And by the way, uh, Justin, that's a l l y dot com, correct? That is right. Yeah, and I recommend it to everybody. Uh, Tim from Michigan. We have time for one question and some quick answers uh, before the end of our hour. How how can we help you? Welcome to the Real Estate Hour. Uh, good morning. Um, so my question is, do you have any advice uh, uh, for me? Uh, I have a friend. Uh, my, so first of all, uh, I'm a, a licensed land surveyor and civil engineer, and I have a friend who's a uh, uh, an attorney and a licensed real estate agent. We've been thinking about, um, you know, getting into, you know, splitting some land. Um, do you have any advice for uh, us moving forward on that? You, you, when you say splitting some land, you mean physically subdividing it, or you mean splitting it up among your yourselves for investment? Uh, going out and purchasing land for subdivision or land uh, division, yeah. Well, I, I, since we don't have much time, I'm going to sort of answer. Justin, you can you can uh, correct me, but I think that there's no home mortgage. Justin's in the uh, Ally Home is in the uh, consumer lending. You're talking about commercial development. This is really in Bill Martin's domain. Um, and uh, we're going to give you the, the two min- the minute and a half version. Bill, go ahead. Just very quickly, I'm, I'm also a civil engineer, but I would get very good local counsel that's familiar with the town because it's a political process, these subdivisions, and you will even by rights have subdivision rights that it's good to have a local familiar council. And secondly, you would finance it with a commercial bank based on your credit and the value of the property. Yeah, one of the problems with financing uh, land purchases is that it's not income producing. So, and Justin probably could talk about that if we had more time, but when an underwriting, the lender's going to look at your capacity to pay back, where's the money coming from, also your credit history, your FICA score, or, 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 or other... Uh, you know, credit background, track record, uh, as well as the collateral. And the collateral here is just its value, and land speculation is among the, the most risky. So really, to get financing for land purchase and subdivision, you really have to have a lot of assets and credit yourself or put up a lot of equity. Um, so I think that's probably the most important thing I can tell you. And, and one more point, when you contract to buy a property that you're going to subdivide from the seller, if you can get a contingency to buy it only upon approval, you will pay more for that land, but it reduces the risk substantially, and you will be required to put a very high percentage of equity in, as Bob just mentioned. Well, we are. Uh, Tim, thanks for your call. I'm sorry we didn't have more time to discuss that, um, but uh, p- please call again on our next show. But we are down to the end of our hour, so I want to uh, uh, thank all our listeners for uh, staying with us. Again, I'm your host, Bob Lane. You've been with me. I want to thank our my co-host and friend, Bill Martin. I want to thank Justin Whitener for his generous time and encourage you to look at his book, uh, Ally Banks' book, The Mortgage Playbook, uh, at ally.com. I want to thank our producer, Patty Hall, our engineer, Dion Simpkins, for making us sound so good, and uh, all of you for staying with us, and hope to uh, have you next week. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.